Greetings, everybody. Welcome back to the Classroom 33 podcast. I'm Pastor Dustin here with Steve Prudian, and we are continuing our conversation about prayer and uh, continuing our discussion of this prayer for pastors that Steve had created for us. The Holy Spirit created it. I don't take any credit. Yeah, Steve takes no credit. Uh, the Holy Spirit wrote it through him. Um, when he went looking for a powerful prayer to pray for pastors, and he couldn't find one. Not an adequate one. So we're going to read this whole thing. We've been going through, there's a number of words in this that uh, Steve has highlighted for us, and we've been going through and kind of going over those from my perspective as pastor's perspective and why those are good things to pray over myself, over your pastor, over every pastor, over any pastor. Um, so just to kind of catch everybody up, we're about somewhere between a third and halfway through this, but I'm going to read the whole prayer and then we'll start with the next word, which is help. So our father God and his son, Jesus, our savior, thank you for hearing my prayer. I ask that you equip and protect my pastor. Father, come alongside him with the infilling power of the Holy Spirit and inspiration. Show him your love, purpose, and vision. Give him wisdom and guidance to share your word while ministering to the people you send to him. Strengthen and encourage him for the work you have called and anointed him to do. Thank you for the safety, protection, and good health for him and his family. I thank you for encouraging him with your presence, peace, joy, and all the fruits of the Spirit. May he be enthusiastically faithful, loving, and kind. Help him to govern with unity and harmony. Give him the proper priorities. Strengthen him each and every day. Help him in times of weariness. Give his family understanding and support for your ministry through him. Most of all, make him a man of prayer. Show him and the church your faithfulness in answering prayer. Infuse him with the direction, zeal, and enthusiasm for the work entrusted to him and the church. Bring him helpers who are strong and mature in spirit to do the work. Provide him with trusted, reliable, and wise friends. Keep him and his family from loneliness and discouragement. Provide them with times of rest and renewal. Remind me to pray for your work and your servant, my pastor. Show me how I can be of help to him accomplishing the works of your hand and Holy Spirit. I thank you for hearing my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. It's a good prayer. It's a great prayer. And certainly one that carries a whole lot of value as far as I'm concerned. How many people even think that their pastor needs prayer? Uh, maybe 5%. I'd say one out of 20. What are the other 19 thinking? They're, I'm guessing that they have an expectation that he spends a lot of time praying for them. <laughs> to be, to be blunt about it. I think most people who have pastors don't even consider the pastors have needs because they're a human being. Right. And that, we have a uh, cultural a cultural thing where we tend to take leadership of any kind and put them onto a pedestal that makes them inhuman in our eyes. And for our pastors, for many reasons, that is probably the worst perspective that you can take. A lot of people believe that a pastor, his job is to serve everyone else. But he gets nothing. Well, that's, that's generally how people look at it. Yep. And you want to know why pastors go flat? Because <laughs> nobody's checking on them. Nobody's praying for them. Right. Nobody's building him back up. No one really has a care. He just has a job. Right. 
Well, as far as that goes, we have this prayer. Mm-hmm. And we've been praying it. And I'm starting to feel some of the effects of that. We talked about it beforehand. I am feeling so much conviction in increasing my prayer and increasing in prayer that uh, there's no doubt to me in my mind that that's the response of a prayer like this being prayed over me. Whether it's by you, another member of the congregation, some other listener that maybe I don't even know about, or it could be the Holy Spirit inside that's praying for me and praying for what I need and what he knows I need. But uh, there's no doubt in my mind that it's supernatural. Daniel is a pretty good example. He's a great of how, example. Of how, how important prayer is. Oh, yeah, he is. How many times a day? Three. The, the direction in which he pray having a significant reason. Yes. What was the reason? He looked towards Jerusalem. Which is? The temple, the presence of God. The presence of God. Yep. Exactly. Even though the temple was torn down and the presence was gone, he still looked towards that direction, and seeking, city? seeking the presence of God. And whose city is Jerusalem? His. God it's said, God's this city. Is my city. It is God's city. And what's the other name for Jerusalem? Begins with a Z. Uh, Zion. Zion, right. Yes. Has God given up on his capital? Not even remotely. Not even remotely. And that's uh, it's actually something else that's occupied a little bit of my brain. Um, I think God was the first module con- contractor. He already has a belt. He's going to put it on site someday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. And when the walls can be rebuilt, I mean, there's something with the same stones. There's something going on there. Yeah, and the exile's been pretty heavy on my heart recently. So, anyways, we're going to get back on task here. Uh, The first word that we have highlighted, or the next word, I should say, that we have highlighted, the first word for today is help. As in, help him to govern with unity and harmony. So, and I'll just say from my perspective, um, this is an invocation of the Holy Spirit. Just, that's what it is. Because the only re- the best way that God can help me is through the advocate, the helper that he sent me to have. And so that's, that's really how I look at that word help. And what did David say about help? Where does it come from? My help comes from the Lord. My help comes from the Lord. And you're asking for the Holy Spirit? Yep. Do you know he's like a little bird? Okay. He's called the paraclete. Yes, not a parakeet. Not a parakeet, but paraclete. A paraclete. <laughs> Which means to? To help. To come alongside. To come help. alongside, yes. Okay. So, invoking Holy Spirit, help me govern with unity and harmony. Well, govern is a fancy word for lead. It means a little bit more than lead. Um, because to govern is to be placed into power. A lot of time in leadership, you can acquire or assume power, but you can't as someone who governs. Someone who governs has been given the power. It did not come at their reaching and taking. It was hand out, held out to give to them. What's the priority of to govern? Uh, the other people. Peace mm-hmm. and safety. Or peace and order. Peace and okay. Because that's what it that's what the objective is to govern. Peace and order. Right. Well, and this says with unity and harmony. 
which uh, those words um, are not quite synonymous. Unity Unity typically means that people are in agreement. Working together. Working together, right? I I agree. We're working for a common goal. Whereas harmony harmony is the beauty of difference. When you look at it musically, you have a melody and you have a harmony. And the harmony doesn't sing the same exact notes as the melody does. There is a difference. And that difference is beautiful when it's cooperative. And so to bring together those two ideas of unity and harmony, you know, we, we see things the same way. We have a common goal. We might have a slightly different way to get there, but we can work together. And sometimes I can bend and flex, and sometimes you can bend and flex, and we can ebb and flow and back and forth in that harmony in a spirit of unity, of going towards the same goal, to have peace and to have that order and to do the will of God because that's really what it's all about. You know, the scripture talks about, you know, two people making a decision and being in agreement and that being proof of it being inside of God's will. Now, that has to be spirit-driven. That's got to be spirit-led. That can't just be, my opinion matches your opinion, therefore it's God's opinion. Well, my opinion as a human being can be wrong. But the spirit is always right. Apart from the presence of God, how does man operate? Uh, Wickedly in confusion and disorder. Yep. So, would you rather get it right the first time? Yeah. So, therefore, you enlist unity and harmony. Yep. But how do you enlist it? Through the Holy Spirit. Through prayer. Yep. That's what you're asking for help for. Mm-hmm. All right. Are we ready to move on? Sure. Okay, give him the proper priorities. It's actually something that I've been praying the last two, three days. Because my priorities are not necessarily God's priorities. God doesn't need another program. He just needs another prayer. Right. I'm, I was thinking more big picture life, but yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't need us to do another thing. Um, I was going to say, hold your breath. Don't let it out until I tell you you can. Now you can. Now, what was the priority? <laughs> what was the priority? Breathing. To breathe. Yep. Okay. Ongoing to breathe. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, most of us in our relationship with God, if we're holding our breath too long. Yes. See, and part of it from my perspective and in the perspective I've been praying in the last couple of days on on this priority is really it comes from trust because I trust that God is going to provide what I need or do I? It depends on what my priority is. Where is your trust? Well, my priority will show you my trust because if I am spending a lot of extra time at work, and sacrificing that time with my family? Am I trusting that God is going to take care of what needs to be taken care of at work? You know, this is a little, that, it's a little bit more powerful 
when you're not a salaried individual. Where is but where is the greatest emphasis of your ministry? At home. That's right. That's the priority that God sets. Yep. Okay. Now you come to Jerusalem. Yes. Okay. And in Jerusalem, what's your priority? To everyone in Jerusalem. Right. So it's a matter of, do I trust that God's going to take care of some of the details so that I can put my work away? And spend the time with my family. Because that's a resource just like money is. Did not, you know, Jesus, I, did not Jesus leave to go to a quiet place? He did. Didn't he, didn't he leave his family yep. in order to be able to seek God? Sure. And how would he know what to do had he not taken that time? He wouldn't have. It would have become overwhelming. Right. And that's part of it, too. The, you know, as far as taking the time every day to spend time in Scripture, spend time in prayer, especially in the early part of the day, folks, you might have to give up some sleep. You might have to wake up a little bit earlier. Do I trust God that I will be well-rested? Do I trust God that I will experience the rejuvenation that I know I will if I sleep. If I sleep that extra hour, I know I'm going to be good to go. But if I wake up that hour early, do I trust God to step in on that? And I bet there's at least one person listening going, no, I don't trust him. What do you have to do to be ready? To be ready how? It's ready to talk to God. What do you have to do to be ready? You have to have the proper posture. You have to calm your heart. You have to calm your mind. You have to recognize who you are and who he is and what that relationship means. And you have to have a secret place. You have to have a place. And the best way to have a place is to have a place where you have the book open to where you know you need to be or where you left off. Mm -hmm. Because you shouldn't have to say, well, what am I going to pray about today? The Word may tell you what you should be praying about today. Right. What's unique about the words that are written in the Bible? If you lay them on a chair or on a desk or in a place, what's unique about them? Well, what's unique about the Bible in general is that it is living and breathing. Inspired. Yes. And it wants to share its inspiration on you. Mm -hmm. However, you have to come to it. You have to come to the Word so the Word can speak to you. Right. But most people don't know that. They don't. Which is why we're here to tell them. What's the average prayer look like for an average person? Thank you, Lord, for the grub. Yep. That's about it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for this day. Maybe. 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 Maybe, maybe the Lord's Prayer. Or um, give me the numbers for the lottery. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And now, wait a second. Who's God then? Uh-huh. Uh, that might depend on that. Uh, heart posture but i think so priority priority what's your priority and we also had the i mean kind of early on in our prayer discussion uh, we did talk about having that having that gratitude being a part of it just being grateful of things just in general as part of your prayer so do you know it's tougher being a human being than it is to be an animal? Oh, I believe it. The animals, by instinct, programming, by God puts in them, they know what to do. Man is confused because he questions everything. Yep. 
along with free will, he gave us creativity. And that's not just art. That's thoughts and questions and other things that lead us to go, is this really true? Is this really what happened? Is this really what God wants me to do? Did God really say whatever? So and David it makes it said, tough. And David says, I am uniquely and wonderfully made yep. for what? A purpose yep. for your plan. And most people do not know that they're uniquely made for God's purpose and plan. So they're left adrift. Yep. So the next word, our next word is strengthen. Strengthen him each and every day. Only a pastor can tell another person what that really means, what that word strengthen really means. And it's not lifting weights. No, and we did talk about in the first paragraph, um, I think that would have been last week's where we got to strengthen and encourage in that first paragraph. And this would be similar, but, you know, there is a, there is a spiritual strengthening, a shoring up of the foundation. You know, when, uh, when the floodwaters rise, the the dikes and the levees are often reinforced. Effort is made in those times to make sure that they are going to be able to withhold or withstand the onslaught, the barrage of water that's coming at them. And that's kind of the imagery in my mind when I think of being strengthened by the spirit for this for the spiritual work to be done because what's coming? What's coming? There's there's a flood coming. But also, the burden of what is. Right. Because who is the burden bearer in a church? We know who's supposed to be. We know who's but, supposed but to be. That's, who, who, and that's exactly what I was going to say. So who's supposed to be is Christ. That's right. Christ but, is supposed to bear the burdens, but so often, it's pastor. They want to take it to somebody else because they figure he knows how to talk to God better. Right, and there is there is precedent for that pastoral counseling mm-hmm. part of it, that spiritual guidance. The priesthood. The priesthood, right? That's, that's there, that's good and biblical. Um, and what I can forget to do is to transfer that to Christ. So you just keep carrying it around, filling up your backpack. Right. So I might bring my own stuff to the foot of the cross, but I forget to bring somebody else's. And then I'm carrying that other person's burden, which I'm supposed to share your burden. That we know. But I'm not supposed to carry it for long. I'm supposed to share your burden with you so that you and I can both carry it to the cross where it belongs. And then then leave it for Jesus and take his burden. Leave it. Okay, question is, is how many people leave it? Oh, not many. A lot lot of people keep it in their back sack and put up a post-it note. Right. (laughs) Right. I owe you this burden, um, which I've done, and I will most likely do again. And that's the danger in that. The biggest danger in that is really that if I don't put it down, if I don't leave it for Christ, then I'm leaving myself open for two things. The first one is unforgiveness, which is not good. And the second one is just as bad, maybe even worse. And that's a root of bitterness to grow. Because whatever it is, if I'm carrying it, there, there's something that needs to be forgiven. And 
whether I'm angry at a person, a thing, or even at God, there has to be forgiveness and there cannot be a root of bitterness that grows. And if you don't bring it to the cross and set it down, those things will grow and fester. One of the major burdens that I have um, observed with pastors who've been in churches for a while mm-hmm. is, is that they become heartbroken. Yes. And the reason they become heartbroken is because they know that Jesus is just waiting with so much that he wants to do for the people, but the people say, pray for me, but they're not willing to take a step towards Jesus. Right. And what happens is it breaks a pastor's heart. It does. Because all of the talking, all of the counseling, all of the Bible verses are basically left abandoned. Yep. And considered of little or no value. The plight of the world. And the person walks away and says, I didn't get anything out of my pastor this time. They're looking to the wrong place. Yeah. So many things can be solved, fixed, healed by taking a step towards Jesus. But in the meantime, every time that happens, it takes a niche of strength out of the pastor. Yes, it does. You may not see him standing in front of you, but it's happened. Yep. It's hidden from plain sight. But the reality is, is by the time you do see it, it's almost too late. Right. So pray for the strengthening of the pastor because he doesn't fight against flesh and blood. No, he does not. Flesh and blood is easy. Yep. Yes, it sure is. All right. Give his family understanding and support. Understanding and support for your ministry through him. That's a real big one. That is a really big one. And this is this is where having priorities from God is crucial because as a pastor, there are times... When my family comes second. Not because you want them to. Nope. Not because because I want them to, but because the spiritual need of another individual under my care can, in circumstance, take priority over family. Because you become an EMT. Yes. And they don't understand. Nope. Well... They know my my, my family, I will say that my family is unique in their understanding because of my work in law enforcement, <laughs> but there's a lot of families that are not as understanding of that. And I have heard, I've heard pastors talk about, well, if I, if I go and I do this, then I have to make it up to my family. And... As the family of a pastor, God has ordained them to sacrifice. When you, when I as a pastor, any other pastor, has to go and put family second and put somebody else first, if my family is not understanding and supportive of that, then I have to make that up to them. That puts a double burden on me. And God has ordained them to make that sacrifice so that I don't have to make that up to them. And that's part of, they need to trust that priority. They need to trust that God is going to continue to bless our family even if that time is lost. And time is finite. We only have so much of it. 
So even the idea and the thought of making up that time is, I would, I would go so far as to say ungodly, unbiblical. My wife, who goes to, who has been going to women's conferences, in fact, she's at one today. Okay. Um, she brought home a statement one time that, as a man, I would just gloss over the statement. Okay. But it has some bearing to what we're talking about today. Right. She said to me, she says, do you know what a lot of pastors' wives struggle with, with their husbands being in the pastorate? A guy would think of nuts and bolts, okay? This program, that program, this meeting, that meeting. Right. My wife says, no, she says, what they're concerned about is loneliness. Yep. She feels that, she says that it seems like that the man who is the pastor, he's the husband of everybody in the church. And he's forgotten he's my husband too. She says, so that's a big factor is loneliness for the pastor's wife. Yeah. The other thing she said was, is she says, being a pastor's wife comes with great expectations, but no appreciation. Now, I don't know what that means. I'm not a pastor's wife. That means being a pastor's wife is a thankless job. She there was are... not hired. She was not hired, but she was hired. As wife to the pastor, there are, I will admit, there are expectations on that. And there is no thanks. There is no little to no gratitude given. So we should be praying not only for the strength for the pastor, but also strength for the pastor's family. Yes. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. And, you know, I don't want to just brush it aside or brush it under the rug by saying this, so don't think I'm doing that, but that's we did pray for priorities. And how effective can a pastor be? if his home is unsettled and in disarray. Very ineffective. There's there's a limited effectiveness. And usually, if that's the case, then he's trying his own power. He's not leaving it up to God for a lot of things. But I'm gonna I'm gonna say if as pastor, if my priorities are right. It's easier for my family to understand and support when they have to sacrifice that time. What about when your family is under attack? Then my priority has to be them. And where does the attack come from? Uh, spiritual. It's definitely right. spiritual attack. It's coming from the enemy. That's right. Mm -hmm. And the reason is to draw you away from the work that you're called to do. Right. Oftentimes, I'm just thinking. Okay. When there is lack of fear, there's an open window. When there's a lack of prayer, there's an open window. So if we, yep. so if we, we as a congregation, are not praying for our pastors, we're leaving a window open. Right. It's our job to pray to close the windows. And that's what the protection is all about. Yep. And that leads right to our next thing. Make him a man of prayer. It's a new paragraph. Oh, okay. Most, most of all, make him a man of prayer. And that's... What all me you can do... Nothing. But with me, you can do? Anything. Anything. Which would you want to be, the anything or the nothing? I'd rather be the anything. Right. Which means, who declares what the anything is? God does. God does. So now, what are you doing? You're praying God's will. Right. And again, it comes down to God's will, not mine. And what he has planned and not what I have planned. But 
being a man of prayer, and this is, you know, I'm going to go back to what you'd said. What do, what do most people pray? Most people are saying grace for their dinner. And most, saying good night, good, good night, good bed, good yep, bed. Yep. Good night. Lord, thank you for the day. Good night. Wake keep me, me up. Wake keep, me up in the morning. Keep me, keep me still till the morning. Yep. Um, praying the Lord's prayer. That's another <clears throat> regular one that people probably do. Um, there's a lot of praying for specific things. That's okay. God which wants is good. You to, God wants you to be specific. Yep. God. God wants us to pray for the young man in our congregation that's battling cancer. They. Mm-hmm. God wants us to pray for him. What's another name for God? Father. Yes. Of course you want your father's help when you need help. Absolutely. Absolutely. What don't we pray for? I can't answer what a lot of people don't pray for, but I would say that a lot of people neglect to pray for spiritual infilling, to be overflowing. Yep. To have For more, grace. to have more than what they, than more than what they need, so they can actually spill over to other people. I think you right. were in last week's demonstration for that. Mm-hmm. Just that being filled up with so much of Jesus that when you get bumped, Jesus spills out of you. You know, I've heard that said about. You know, if you've got a you got a coffee cup filled up and somebody bumps into you, you spill a little bit of coffee. Why do you spill coffee? Because that's what's in your cup. If it was tea or water in the cup, you'd spill tea or water. You can't spill coffee out of a teacup. If your cup's not filled with Jesus and you get bumped, Jesus ain't coming out. I would like to think no matter where I go, I'm leaving a wet trail. Yep. Okay, I'm yep. leaking. I'm leaking all the time, but my cup is never empty. Uh-huh. <laughs> it, it's amazing when the cup is so full you can't even take 3 steps without dropping some of it. Right. I don't I don't and, even know right. that I'm leaking right. cuz my cup is still full. Yep. The cup before me is still full. But if you mm-hmm. look behind me, there's a wet trail. <laughs> uh-huh. But there's there's a lot of things that we don't pray for. There are a lot of things and Actually, one of the things that uh, I think culturally we have neglected neglected significantly is the prayer of lament. Explain that, because a lot of people don't know what the word lament means. (laughs) (laughs) A lament is a cry out to God in desperation and weariness, in sorrow. It is not a cry out to God in joy or um, even asking for something. It is a cry out to God of why God? It is like, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's a prayer of lament. And if you read the book of Lamentations... Oh, there's a book called Lamentations? There's a book called Lamentations. I thought that was Dalmatians. No, it was not Dalmatians, and there's not 101 of them. It is Lamentations, and it's written by Jeremiah. And it is his heart broken for the people of Israel, of Jerusalem. Uh, It's Judah, right? We've got separated kingdom, Mm -hmm. and he's a prophet towards the end, right? Yes. Right at the time of the exile, Southern and his kingdom. heart is broken for his fellow man, for the other Jews. It absolutely amazes me yeah. that the southern kingdom stood by and watched what happened to the northern kingdom, but yet they right. learned nothing. They learned nothing. So, well... It's not entirely true. Hezekiah learned. He figured it out. It was the guys that came after him that just didn't keep the lesson going. But, you know, Jeremiah, in in his brokenheartedness, he cries out to God. And we don't do that. 
Who's brokenhearted? Should be more than there is. Yeah. But we all have things. You know, I mentioned this young man in our church who has cancer. Have we as a church taught him and his family how to cry out to God with that hurt, with that pain? I don't think we have. I experienced the loss of my brother at a young age. Mm -hmm. I had not been taught how to pray a prayer of lament. I hadn't. I knew how to thank God for the weather, but I didn't know how to cry out to God in a broken heart. And what it led to was anger. Because I didn't know how to pray that prayer of lament, I ended up angry at God for a very long time, 15 years just about. That's not okay. And I don't remember exactly how I got onto this track. But... Circumstances. Circumstances. We just, we got off onto this tangent, and I'm just, I'm going to wrap up the tangent just by saying it would do good for every single person in the church to spend some time reading through and praying through the Psalms. Leave the book open. Don't close it. Don't close it. Leave it open. Spend some time. Pray through the Psalms. They are all prayers. So pray them, internalize them, read them as if you are praying them to God. Actually pray those words to God and learn how to ask God for what you need to ask for. Learn how to thank God for what you need to thank him for and learn how to cry out to God in a broken heart because he wants all of it. He wants all of it. All right. I'm going to get off of my soapbox with that one. And uh, let's move on to the next word, shall we? Okay. And I think this will be our last word of the day. I think so, too. Yep. The word faithfulness? The word faithfulness. In context, show him and the church your faithfulness in answering prayer. I actually heard a song recently, and I am actually going to thank, without naming, two young girls. I guess they're not that young. They're sophomores this year um, in my youth group. I had asked the youth group for song requests because we do a, you know, a lyric video YouTube type Mm -hmm. worship. And I got this list. I'll show you. You online, you know, if you're listening, you can't see this, but what I'm showing, Steve, is a handwritten list. Unbelievable. Of songs, the name of the song and the artist that is on a standard piece of notebook paper. It is two sides and it is overflowing. Actually, I went and added them to the youth group playlist, and there's 61 songs on this list. Unbelievable. That uh, these they're using more than every line. Then they are using more than every line. Yes, they are. Like it, it is overflowing. And uh, there is a song on here that I had not heard before, and it's called "Million Little Miracles." Never heard of it. And the the premise is that. We need to start looking, because if we're looking for answered prayers, there's so many that we can't even count them all. There's a million little miracles all around us every day, and because of, for whatever reason, we're blind to them. We don't see them. And if we open up our eyes and 
it takes prayer. You know, you have, you have to be intentional about it. You have to ask God, open my eyes to these things, to these million little miracles that you are doing every single day. And the song has a part where it's one, two, three, four, I can't even count them all. And I can't. Stars of the sky. Stars of the sky. Starting with waking up in the morning. I woke up in the morning. My house still has electricity. My alarm went off. And so on, and so on, and so on. All of these things, just these tiny little miracles. We've gotten so used to expecting things to be a certain way that we've become entitled to them and we no longer view them as miracles. They have become, uh, we've taken them for granted. I expect. Expect. I expect. Expect. I expect that when I get home and flip the switch, the lights will come on in the kitchen. And you took it for granted. I took it for granted. I don't thank God that I still have electricity to my house. Although I might lament if I flip the switch and they don't come on. Ever heard the expression, stop and smell the roses? Yes. My wife has journals that she's been doing for over 20 years. In the journals, mm-hmm. do you know what the title is? What's that? Glimpses of Glory. Glimpses of Glory. I like that. She's looking for the glimpses of glory in things every day. Yes. And then she journals it into her book of where God showed up. Those are important things. And guess what? Yeah. She shares them with me. I believe it. And I look at it like... I'm a deer caught in headlights. I didn't see that. Right. <laughs> so the reality is, is if you're not, if you're not intentional, and you don't take prayer seriously, and you don't value its importance, mm-hmm. you'll miss the glory of God. You will. You will, and uh, for. For some people, it'll be like a little mess because it's a momentary, a momentary thing, a momentary lapse. But if, but if a strong prayer life is something that you've never had and it's not a momentary lapse, then it really could be a big mess. Do you know what they call people who have a lack of iron? Anemic. Anemic. Yep. And that's the kind of prayer life they have, weak prayer, mm-hmm. which has left them anemic. And in people that are anemic, what are their symptoms? Weak and tired. Weak and tired. I'm going to go one step further. Because you said a lack of iron and for whatever reason, my went my brain went to real iron, spending iron, man of steel, man of steel. Okay, <laughs> okay. I'm going to use Superman as our example for a second. Okay, he's super strong, isn't he? He can lift anything. He can fly even. Where do all of his powers come from? He was born with those powers. No, he wasn't. Sure, he was. No, he wasn't. It came from the planet that he came from. Uh Uh-uh. Okay, you teach me something new. All right. Superman's powers come from soaking up the rays of the sun. I didn't know that. When he comes in contact with material from his home planet, he gets weak and he gets frail. We know that. Yep. He did not have powers on his home planet. And he would not have. Because they did not have the sun to shine on them, and to make them strong. Hmm. Never knew that. Yep. I guess I'm not an aficionado of Superman. I <laughs> I can't say I'm aficionado, but um, but when he when he encounters his initial nature, what we would refer to in biblical terms as our sin nature, to follow the analogy. We're weak and we're frail. When we want to do by ourselves, we can't. 
But if we turn to the sun and soak up the rays of the sun, we get strong. And prayer is the single best way to turn towards the sun. And we sure. talked about it. We talked about it last week. And I'm going to say it again. We talk to God through prayer. He talks to us through the Bible. His word is the definitive and primary way he talks to us. Get in the word and hear from God and pray. Talk to God. Share with him what you have to share with him. Ask him for what you need to ask for. Pray for your pastor. Pray for your wife, your husband, your children, your parents, your neighbor, your neighbor's dog. Pray for everything. When it hurts, pray. When you're happy, pray. When you're sad, pray. When you're scared, pray. That, I think I got through all of them. That was a, that was a VBS a couple of years ago. <laughs> when, I, when I feel like this, I can talk to God. When I feel like this, I can talk to God. I think we ought to do that in adult Sunday school. We should. Have VBS stuff. Yep, we should. <laughs> Maybe we... <laughs> we are considered children. We are children of God, that's for sure. Uh, but don't don't substitute one for the other. They are two sides of the same coin. You need both. You need to spend time in God's Word, and you need to spend time talking to Him. You talk to Him through prayer. He talks to you through the book. Thank you, Dustin. You're welcome. I think you've said pretty much what they need to hear. All right. When you think about what you just said, that is a good thing to end on. Because now you've given them an instruction to pray for everything. Yep. All right. Then we'll cue the music. Thank you very much, Steve, for coming in. It was great to have you today. Thank you, Dustin. It's always good to talk with you. Actually, it's good to have this time with you, I, and God. Yes, Because the reality is, is that he is here. Otherwise, this would be extremely boring. It would be. It would be boring for us. I can throw a paper as you can just read it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Have a great week. Mm-hmm.